Welcome to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that produce disciples of Jesus Christ who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes, and I am the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. And I'm Steve Manskar, Director of Wesleyan Leadership for Discipleship Ministries. Today we have an extra special episode. Uh, What comes to mind to me is maybe Seth Godin in the world of marketing or David Allen in the world of productivity. These are gurus in their own discipline, and today we have a guru. Is that, am I selling it too much to say that Scott Boren is a guru when it comes to missional small groups? Well, yes. <laughs> and I got to say, the two guys that you just mentioned, I have no idea what you're talking about. Fair enough. Um, but I, I, I trust that you know what you're talking about <laughs> and that the, our, that, the guy, that the people in our audience... Those names will mean something, <laughs> but but yes, absolutely. Scott Boren, I've been a fan of uh, Scott. I've been a reader of Scott Boren's yeah. work for years, and in addition to, I don't know if mentor is the right word, but certainly someone that Scott has worked with for a long time, um, Alan Roxburgh, mm-hmm. um, who I know highly has high regard for Scott and his work. They've been working together for a long time. And so both of those men, I think, are have made valuable contributions in terms of what it means to be missional, to be a missional leader, a missional church, and particularly for Scott around small groups and how small groups continue to contribute to the missional endeavor. Yeah. Um, and it, it, so it was just really great to, you know, I guess meet him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, digitally, digitally, I guess, yeah. virtually. Remote, remote, you know, yeah, we remotely, he was in uh, his home in St. Paul, Minnesota while yeah. we were here in Nashville. Yeah. So let's say a little more about uh, Scott Borden for those who, who don't know. He is the president and consultant slash coach at the Center for Community and Mission. Scott has written 10 books and is working on at least three more. He is completing his doctorate at Luther Seminary, and he was the pastor at Woodland Hills Church, where his wife is still on staff, and somewhat importantly for us, he's a Texas Rangers fan. (laughs) Well, we can forgive that part. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. And Well, I think it's important that the Woodland Woodland Hills Church in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is where that's a... a large, um, I think, important evangelical congregation um, in, okay. in the Twin Cities, and and their reach is beyond you know their oh, immediate context. So, and uh, and I think he's working on you know the doctorate he's working on is I think a PhD. Yes, at Luther. Yeah, that that sounds right as well. His website, uh, which I, we would both highly recommend you. Um, Make sure and make your way there. That is mscottboren.org. No spaces there, mscottboren.org. Well worth your time. There's at least two free study guides on there now, so definitely worth checking out. So without any further ado, uh, we're going to let you listen to the interview. Well, Scott, thank you so much for uh, being willing to spend some time with us. Uh, Steve and I both have benefited from your work, so, so thanks for being here. 
You bet. It's uh, great to be included in this conversation. Well, it's an important conversation, and, and I want to begin with a pretty generic question that that I that I hear a lot is in terms of people talking about it, but not a lot of specifics. So my pretty broad question is, what does it mean to be missional? Missional is one of those words, actually. That's a great question, because whenever I'm working with pastors and coaching them, I will ask what they think missional means. And often is the case that they come up with all kinds of different answers. And, and they actually, even on sometimes on the same staff, different pastors will reflect different things. And then when I talk to the leaders within the church, the volunteer leaders, they have a different perspective. And some people don't even like the word, actually. Oh, interesting. Uh, because they just equate it with work and working hard to do something for God and be mm. activistic in the neighborhood. Mm. Um, and others just equate it with evangelism and trying to resurrect the church during a time of trouble and save the church because we're losing so many people out the, out the back door and yeah. sometimes through the front door. <laughs> yeah. But missional is really a description and is rooted in the heart and the being of who God is, that, mm, that yeah. God is at work in our world in ways that we cannot control. And to be a missional church or to be a missional community is to participate with one another in what God is doing in our world. And in the midst of that, we create spaces whereby we can discover what God is doing. And that missional activity of God is about God's work and, and attaining an imagination that reframes how we do church, how we do small groups, how we do leadership and other things around the, around the church so that we don't come up with a missional formula to make oh. the church work. We're actually coming up and entering into an imagination whereby we as the people of God are rediscovering what it means to be people, the people of God. Yeah, that's really good. That's, that's really helpful. So then let's take it the next step and get a little more specific. Well, what does that have to do with being a missional small group? Well, over the last, I would say, 30 years, I've been doing this for about 22 years, working with churches to help them develop small groups. And you can go back into the history of uh, in America and there's been these series of strategies to do small groups in America. And we go all over the world to figure out, oh, how do they do groups in South America? How do they do groups in Korea, et cetera? And we come back in America and we turn it into a formula. We turn it into a technique <laughs> yeah. or a method. Right. And, this, and we determine this is the strategy. And then we package it and then we sell it. Yeah. We've yet to get different results. <laughs> Einstein said... The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Well, we're insane because we <laughs> keep doing it. And we keep coming up with new packages. And the recent package has been missional community. Yes. If you do missional community according to this package, you too will get community and mission and outreach and your church will be resurrected. Just, just take our pill and it will solve your problems. I'm overstating the case, of course. I'm setting up a straw man. But – we fall for it repeatedly, sadly. Yeah. And But I, I've done that. I've promoted that. It doesn't get us where we want to go because what we desire is not a structure. Mm. Nobody comes to our small group because you as a pastor have come up with the right small group methodology. No one cares. I think mm. of it in the terms of does the single mom with three kids care about this? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good way. No. Yeah. What they want to discover is entering into what God has and what God is doing in their lives and, and resurrecting a spirit of 
of community and support and entering into the one another's of the New Testament and living in a way that is distinctive and nonviolent and peaceful and promoting God's love in our communities in a way that empowers the single mom with three kids to discern what God is doing through her hmm. and to discover in community how God wants to move through her in her community with new friends. And that is what missional community, the imagination of missional community can be. And it's not a strategy. It's not a formula for doing it. Although there are a lot of good formulas out there that can help us along the way, but we have to capture a different imagination because that imagination empowers us to empower others to enter into what God is doing in the world. Yeah, r really, really well said. Uh, I want to read a quote from one of your latest ebooks, and then I'm going to let uh, Steve ask some questions because I think you've uh, been headed in this direction. And, and you said in the book, you said. If you throw people shaped by consumeristic expectations regarding groups into something called missional community, you will get consumeristic experiments that are called missional. I'll just give you a chance to expound upon that, if you would. It's exactly uh, what I find over and over, because I find people who really buy into this idea of mission and community, and they see the biblical value of it. And they kind of jump in and say, this is what God has done for it, wants us to be. And they'll make biblical arguments for it. And you can make so many biblical arguments for it. But people don't obey because things are biblical. <laughs> people are motivated mm. to obey because their, their imagination is captured by the Spirit of God. Yeah. Yeah. Because their heart's transformed. It's not just because it's logical. That's what I mean by biblical, because you can, you can give them a, a logical argument for it. And we saw this in the 90s when I was, we were helping churches move into, quote-unquote, the cell church strategy. Mm -hmm. And we worked with all kinds of churches that had Sunday school methodologies, and they were tired of the Sunday school programs, and they wanted to do cell church. But they didn't—the pastors didn't want cell church. What they wanted was this imagination of empowering people to live in community and love one another and reach their friends for Christ and, 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 and do things in the world that was outside the building. But what happened— was people who had been shaped and formed by the Sunday school imagination just imported that imagination into mm. their small groups. So they had Sunday school that met in homes. <laughs> just because we change our structure doesn't mean we change our imagination. Mm. Doesn't mean we change our practices of way of doing it. And so we do this if you're we we promote a way of doing church where we're just we're we're feeding spiritual consumers and we right. say we have a small group strategy here that's going to help you and and develop community and you're going to love Jesus and all that stuff. Well, that will work as long as you keep feeding those consumers mm -hmm. because the small group strategy simply becomes another spiritual product mm -hmm. that we're giving them. And we have to work with people to move them in a different direction. Yeah, that's one thing I really appreciated in this book is – um, your sense of being able to name some of the barriers and obstacles that we're going to face when we're trying to grow small small groups. Steve, I'm going to let you uh, chime in here. I've been hogging the questions, so I'll let you um, hog. Well, there's in. nothing new there, Scott. <laughs> um. <laughs> You're exactly right. I'm not saying anything that— I think you meant me hogging the questions. Is what, <laughs> me hogging the questions is what's not. Well, new. as I've been listening to to you, Scott, what the the because of the work I do and who I am, a quote from John Wesley came to my mind. Sure. Um, especially when you were talking about 
the the meaning of missional and its relationship to why what missional has to do with small groups and that there's a famous quote by Wesley that most United Methodists hear but they misunderstand it and that he says something like there is no holiness but social holiness mm. you know and what he means by that you know that that's not the full quote um I don't have the th- anyway but what Wesley means by that is that we need, in order to, f- to be, to live in the world as followers of Jesus, we need relationships with other, and we need to be in community with other Christians. Right. Um, and, and in particular, we need to be in, in relationships of love and trust with fellow Christians and those relationships and Wesley understood and that's why the class meeting and the bands were so essential to the early Methodist movement um, and to to the church then that was formed here in America that to form people as disciples of Jesus Christ they need to be in relationships through those relationships that God reaches us and God works with us, and being open and vulnerable to fellow Christians, right? Vulnerable, right, right. Um, and one of the, and what, and going back to what you said about you know having you know just changing structures and moving them out of the church into homes, and and basically end up having Sunday school in homes, is that we've trained people to believe that curriculum is going to help them be disciples of Jesus Christ, right. That exactly. reading and studying books and talking about them is the same as discipleship. Mm. And oh, yeah. that's not Wesleyan. And, and that's what I, you know, this morning as I was preparing to, to talk to you and interview, I, I pulled one of your old books off of my shelf that is a really important book, I think, called The Relational Way. Um, and... And I really, there's a lot of really good stuff in this book. And, but I came across a couple of questions that you ask in the introduction that I, I'd like to hear your response to these questions. Sure. It'd be interesting to see, too, if he's changed at all. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're saying these are the questions that we need to be asking yeah. in the church, and particularly as church leaders. Um, so one of them is, what are the practices of a people on the way with God? Right. Well, and this is one of the things that we, you're exactly right. Uh, in America, when we think small groups, the first question often is, what are you going to study? <laughs> right. Yeah. And if, you, if I like the study that you're facilitating, I'll come to your group. Mm. And I'm like, man, we've studied ourselves to death. I remember one point in my journey with Christ, I was in seven different small groups at the same time. Wow. I was talking to a church in Texas yesterday, and the pastor was saying, we have people in three or four small groups per week Oof. doing Bible study. This is just, when we, you know, and we, all, the, all the publishers and all the, all the different Bible study publishing that we do. And, but we have to look beneath that, at, at, and I think of it in three ways. Uh, uh, what is the beauty that we're espousing? What is mm. the imagination that we're espousing with our groups? What are we hoping for? That's one question, number one. And second question is uh, getting at, and I'm going to come back to you, the question of what are we practicing? 
And then the third question is, what is the truth that we're espousing? And what we typically do is only talk about the truth that we're espousing. We don't think in terms of what we practice and what beauty are we imagining? What is our hope? Mm -hmm. So if we're only talking about truth, we're missing out on the things that shape our imagination, the beauty that we're talking about, but also the practices form us. Our practices form our way of life, and we are shaped by our culture into a set of practices uh, that are rhythms, if you want. Some people call them rhythms. Other right. people call them uh, disciplines that form who we are. And we have to look at not just what I do in my personal life, uh, as to what I'm going to practice personally in order for my character to be shaped by the Holy Spirit. But what are the practices that we are going to embrace as a group that will cause us to be a distinct community? One of the pra- In my book, uh, Missional Small Groups, I identify 21 practices that are choices. I don't, I don't prescribe this. I think this is a part of the problem. We get prescriptive in America. We love mm-hmm. our formulas and, and leaders and authors and everybody loves to prescribe something that will be a magical answer. I don't provide 21 practices as a, as a prescription. I just provide them as options and say, hey, try some of these out as a group. And one of the ones I encourage people to ad- uh, work through is the practice of developing a primary group or a primary community. And what I mean by that is what I find is people are people are involved in small groups. But their primary community, those influencing them, those speaking in their lives are, are it's a hodgepodge. And so the group becomes an add on. It becomes like a sunroom. I call in my book, uh, Grouping Your Church in the Way of Jesus. I talk about the, the small group is like a closet next to a sunroom. The sunroom <laughs> is the church. It's an option. We can build a sunroom and add on to the house, and the closet inside the sunroom is an additional option so that the small group is is really ancillary. It's extra to our lives, and if we have time, we'll do this, but we have to think about our primary group. Who are the people who are speaking into our lives, and are they speaking the truth of God into our lives, and are they investing? Are we investing? Are we hearing the Spirit of God with one another? And the class meeting, I think that's what you're getting at, is the class meeting for Wesley, was that was what he was trying to do. He's like, in the midst of all the, the issues that were going on in his culture, he was trying to create these spaces, these environments, where people could come together and discover what God was doing in their midst. And in that, respond to how God was moving. Um, so the practices, uh, Wesley created specific practices for those class meetings. And, and, and I think what we have to do in our, in, our day, in our day as pastors and as small group leaders and others, other, other environments, we have to discover the practices uh, that we can adopt as a community to move into God's mission. That's really good. I really like yeah. those images. Excellent. Yeah. And I really appreciate that in your small, in your small group. Um, in the ebook, the the images, the drawings that you have, the visuals. I'm a visual learner, so I love those. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think from what we've heard from Scott is he really helps us dig into the meat of what it means to be missional and what that looks like. And so I really appreciate him talking about that. And one of the things that really stuck out to me from this first part of the interview is when he talked about how too often 
uh, people have entered a small group with a Sunday school imagination. They've taken those practices that they had when they were in Sunday school, moved them into a home, and we didn't accomplish a whole lot out of doing that. Um, and so for me, that was one of the, the big takeaways is thinking with a missional imagination instead of a consumerist or a Sunday school imagination. Well, and also Scott clarifies what missional actually means. Right. Because I think leaders in the church, including the United Methodist Church, use that word and it's not cl- off, it often, at least for me, yeah, I would agree. It's not clear what they mean by missional. What what they mean by missional, I think, is because I'm operating out of the missional that Scott and Roxburgh are talking right. about, and other people like even you know, like Alan Hirsch, mm-hmm. um, where it's all about connecting with the mission of God. That's yes. that's our role is discerning what God is up to and then getting out there and connecting with what God is doing and acknowledging that God is already it's it's not really about us. Yeah. Big shift. It's about discern being op- having eyes and ears and hearts open to seeing what God is doing and acknowledging that God is already at work out there in the neighborhood, in the world, and our job is to connect with what God is already doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think we're often, when, we, when I hear that word missional being used, it's, it's all about, we gotta go out there and our mission is to save the world. Mm. Being missional is to transform the world, mm. right? Yeah, now we might start stepping on some toes here. And and that's not yeah, what mission that, that's not what um like I think the true missional understanding is understanding that we're not cha- we're not going to change the world. Mm. God is the one that's ultimately going to transform the world. Our role is to participate in what God is doing. Yeah. And th- I think that's an important shift that I would agree. I would agree. And one of the things that struck me, and I, and I want your take on this, Steve, is, you know, it, it's not hard work, it's just different work. I mean, that's one of the things Scott mentioned is when we sort of have the wrong mindset about it, it becomes hard work. We've got to go and do all these things. Where when we understand what it means to be missional, it's not harder work in any sense. In fact, it may be somewhat easier work. It's just different work in the sense that we're, um, as he said, I think it's in this part, where we're sort of focused on What's happening in the community? What's God up to in the community is a yeah. big driving force for that, uh, which is different. So anything you want to add to that? Well, and yeah, because we're, what we tend to do, particularly we United Methodists, is we think we need to come up when we need to come up with some kind of program, yeah, that curricula. is going to or curricula. You know, curricula or program. Right. That is going to help us be more missional. Right. It's going to help us be better at transforming the world. Again, that puts the focus on us. Right. Right. And what we think we need to be doing, whereas I think what Scott is talking about is that you can't, there's no program here. There's no program, right. Yeah. You can't program this. Uh, it's about having again heart 
and eyes and ears open to God. And, and so if there's any program, it's figuring out how to have our eyes, ears, and hearts open to what God is doing. Right, which brings me back to the three questions he, he asked. And he talked to the three questions were, what is the beauty we are espousing with our groups? What are the what are we practicing? And what are the truth we are espousing? And he talked about how we focused on that third one. And then he asked this question, which has really stuck with me, is that is, what are the practices we will embrace as a group to be a distinct community? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a that's a really interesting question because I don't think we think of ourselves as a Christian culture as distinct, at least in the way that we're embodying the Christian message by being in the group and the nature of the group and the practices it undertakes. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that for a second as Wesleyans. What, what are those practices for us? What, what, what might that look like? Any, any thoughts on that as I kind of open that up for, you, for us there? And You think I might have something to say about I that, do, Scott? I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. hoping. And, and I, I think I the obvious answer is the class meeting. Okay. So, so fit that together for us, right? Class meeting, missional small groups, put that together for us. That's why, you know, I, the class, the class meeting, the, the Methodist class meeting is what, it's what I call the method of Methodism. Right. That's what made the Methodists, that's one of the chief distinctives mm. of, if you're going to be, of the Methodist movement was these, and they really were missional small groups, because they were the the focus was on the pursuit of holiness yeah. of heart and life, mm. and one of the marks of holiness is being distinct from the world. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Yep, makes sense. It's not being better than anyone else. Right, right. It's about being following Jesus, not in a Pharisaical way, right? Not in rigid, yeah. I hear you. And it's about participating, being, you know, the pursuit of holiness of heart and life is ultimately about being equipped to participate with what Christ is doing in the world. It's what that pursuit of holiness of heart and life is how we gain, how our eyes and ears and hearts are open to what God is doing. Mm. And it compels us to go out there and join in what God is doing by feeding the hungry, okay, clothing the naked, healing the sick. So acts of compassion. Yeah, and being living as citizens of the kingdom of God, mm. which means we, we then can see, get glimpses of where the kingdom of God is breaking out in the world all around us. Yeah. And then going and being part of that. Yeah. And pointing it out to people. That's the other piece of, okay. you know, particularly the general rule is to witness to Jesus Christ in the world is to point out to people where the kingdom of God is already present mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. their community, in their lives, in their church maybe. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then encouraging people to go and get involved in that. Yeah. And the other piece that he challenged us with was that the, the small group w- was not to be an add-on. It's not to be optional. Yes. Right. And I thought that was pretty, pretty potent. I mean, I think that we've got to, that's our primary community 
And that's where discipleship springs out of, is being in worship and being in that small group, that it's not just something of convenience. Yeah. Um, so with that, we're going to kind of let you think on some of these things. And uh, we're going to we split this into two parts because Scott had so many good things to, to say to us. So look forward to, to part two of this interview coming up soon. Uh, we do have a giveaway winner, and that is Pamela Deck, who is a Christian education consultant. She uh, hit us up on Twitter about the episode we did on uh, discipleship, uh, I'm sorry, covenant discipleship and youth. And so we'll uh, get, get some sort of swag out to Pamela. So we appreciate Pamela. All right. So for, for others, we want you to interact with us. So please feel free to comment on us, comment to us, with us on Twitter, on Facebook, and through email. You can find us, uh, find me on Twitter at Rev Scott, Rev Scott's Tweets, and also at UMC Adult Form. Steve, where they can find you on Twitter? At S Manskar. At S M A N S K A R. And so this podcast comes to you from Discipleship Ministries as part of your apportionment dollars. So you can find more information about us and on small groups at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. Until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.